it's, uh, it's kind of hard to believe that the Christmas season's on us already, isn't it? Does anybody else feel like they missed the whole year? <laughs> uh, it, it, it just went by so quickly, and here we are December 1st. We're 25 days away from Christmas. So 24 shopping days, I guess, uh, from Christmas. <clears throat> We're going to, to kind of step aside from the O.S. Hawkins book, uh, 52 Verses Everyone Should Know. We're going to continue, however, in the format that I have been using kind of all year, and that is to look at the context, to look at what it says about God, what it says about us, what we need to do now that we know this about God and ourselves, and, and look at it kind of, uh, uh, look at these verses uh, phrase by phrase, and then draw the comfort and the challenge from them. So we're going to continue the format, although we are going to uh, step away from the O.S. Hawkins book for for a few weeks here. What I'm going to do, as a matter of fact, is I'm going to follow the themes of the Advent. The theme of the Advent this week is hope. And so we're going to talk about the birth of hope. And then we'll follow that, uh, the, the themes of Advent through the rest of the season here. Next week, next week would be prophecy, then joy, then love, and then admiration or adoration. And so that's the, the format that we're going to, uh, to follow and, and we're going to look at Isaiah 9-6. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, that's the verse 9-6 and, 9, and 7 are the verses that we're going to look at. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9-6 is one of my favorite Christmas verses. Um, I, I write it in Christmas cards. I, if, if it is my Christmas verse because it's so, there's so much meat there. There's so much to know that, that Isaiah tells us in in verse 6. And so we're going to study that today. But first, I, I just want to talk about hope. What is hope? Because we often use the word more like wish. For instance, I hope I win the lottery. Well, that's not hope. That's a wish. I, I hope it snows on Christmas. That's not hope. That's a wish. We use the word that way, and so we get confused when we read in the Bible about hope. Hope in the Bible is, is, a, is a confident assurance. It's an assurance of what yet not, has not happened. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the reality of what is hoped for. So it tells us that it's something that we, we can be assured is going to happen, yet it hasn't happened yet. And so that is hope. Hope is a, is a driving force in your life. Uh, it, those without hope tend to die quickly. We need hope. Sometimes it seems hopeless in life. Job said in, in Job uh, seventeen fifteen, he said, where then is my hope? Who can see any hope for me after he lost everything? And so I would submit to you that hope placed in anything other than Christ is misplaced. It, is, it will disappoint you. If you put, place your hope in another person, they will disappoint you. If you place your hope in your own abilities and skills and what you can do, they can be taken away with an illness or an injury or age. If you place your hope in your position or your money, it can go away with a simple turn of the economy. The only hope that truly lasts is hope that's set in Jesus. 
I, I, my hope is, is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And so we're going to see the birth of hope this morning from Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. So let's read that. It is up here behind me. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on, on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and his prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. So the context is important here. So let's think about it for a moment because the context is in chapter 8, Isaiah is warning Israel that they are going to be destroyed by Assyria. And yes, this happens. Isaiah says it, it happens. <clears throat> Israel is absolutely decimated by Assyria. And so Isaiah in chapter 8 is telling them this will happen. Assyria will come. Now, throughout Isaiah, throughout all of the prophets, frankly, what you see is the, is the, the prophecy instruction and then God saying, turn back to me so you can avoid this wrath. But they never do. Do we? <laughs> I'll leave that question in your head. So, so when Isaiah gives them this hope, when he tells them that, that someone is coming, someone from the throne of David is coming, they, have, they are looking at the destruction of Israel. And then Isaiah tells them, but but there's a, a, a king coming. A king that will reign from the lineage of David is coming. Now consider, they are looking at, they're staring at the destruction of Israel by Assyria. Who else would they want other than somebody from David? David was a mighty warrior. David was a great king. That's the guy we need in times like this. We need him to set things right because he's a great warrior and he's a great king. And so that's what we need. And so this would have been incredible hope for the people of Israel to know that this Messiah, this King is coming. It's still incredible hope for us because we need somebody to set things right. We need somebody to deal with our sin problem. We need somebody to get to, to deal with our own destruction. So it's great hope for us as well. So what this says about God, it says that God keeps his promises. Remember, he's, he promised David that someone from his line would reign. And Jesus is from the line of David. And so it shows that God keeps his promises. And, and I need you to think through that process or, or consider for a moment that God keeps his promises because what does this say Jesus will do? Rule and reign. Now right now, he may rule in your heart, but he is going to rule everywhere and everything. The first part of this promise has happened. Jesus has come. The line of, of, of David, he has come. And he has he has been exactly who Isaiah said he would be 700 years before Jesus is born. 
But there's more to this prophecy that hasn't yet been fulfilled. Jesus will reign. He came to reign. So God keeps his promises. Jesus came to reign. God's justice is always right, and it always includes mercy. In the midst of this, and if you read Isaiah 7, 8, 9, and 10, you see destruction. You see terrible things are going to happen, but you see hope given in all of his wrath. God's wrath always includes hope if we turn to him. It's always, there is always hope for those who turn to God. And God's answer to set things right is Jesus. Now that's important because we tend to put our trust in everything else, don't we? We think we can make things right. We think political figures can make things right. We think so many other things can make things right. God says what will make things right is Jesus. Jesus will reign and he will rule. That also tells us that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Now it's kind of hidden somewhat in the poetry of, uh, of the, the original Hebrew. If you notice in your Bible, the typeset is usually set differently for verses 2 through 7 and, and in fact on 8, 9. That's because it's Hebrew poetry. It's set apart that way so that you can tell that this part is poetry. Now, we're going to talk about this a little bit more later, but, but in the poetry, we have the names that Jesus will be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor is most often used to, be, to describe a man, a man with divine guidance. Mighty God is only ever used... To, to talk about God himself, the God. Eternal Father, well, that can only be God. And think about the, the paradox of, of Isaiah saying that this child that will be born will be an eternal father. Eternal Father comes before this child is born. And so you can see that it's a term for God. And then Prince of Peace, that's a term for mankind. God isn't ever called Prince, he's, he's King. And so what you have in the Hebrew poetry is a name for man, then God, then God, then man. So you have in the four names that, he's, that, that Isaiah gives us for the Messiah that is coming, you have fully man and fully God. You have God sandwiched into man just in the Hebrew poetry, just in the titles that he's going to be called. So Jesus is fully God and fully man. And so Jesus will rule. And he will rule not only Israel, he will rule everywhere. The entire world. He will rule. Colossians 1 tells us that Everything is made by him and for him, and everything is held together in him. He will rule everywhere. Does he rule in you? So what, what this says about us, it says that God loves you enough to do something about it. He loves you enough 
to want to make things right. He sees chapter 8 in our own lives. Every one of us have Isaiah chapter 8 in our lives, the destruction that we have left behind or the destruction that has happened to us. Every one of us have Isaiah chapter 8 in our past. But God loves you enough that he wants to make it right. He wants to make things right in your life. He wants to rule. And, and his answer is the Messiah. His answer is Jesus. Once again, we, we look for every other answer. This seems too simple. This seems too religious. This seems too spiritual. But there is one way to make things right. Jesus. There is no other way. God knows the destruction and God knows the answer to the destruction and it's Jesus Christ. And so he sends us Jesus Christ. That's how this is the birth of hope at, at that first Christmas because we were hopeless apart from him and we still are hopeless apart from him. Hope placed in anything or anyone else will be disappointed. Hope placed in Christ will never be disappointed. Never. Hope placed anywhere else will fail. And as I said earlier, Jesus will rule. He will reign. That's, how he, that's what he came to do. And so what it says about us is he will rule in your heart someday. It could be this morning. If he doesn't now, he can this morning. He will rule. Are you in his kingdom? Have you surrendered so that he rules you? So what do we need to do? We need to place our hope in Christ and no one or no, no, nothing else. We, we need to, to surrender our kingdom to the one who will rule and reign. We need to surrender our kingdom to Jesus Christ. And we need to celebrate the hope that is, bo that is born in this time. Apart from Christ, there is no hope. Apart from Christ, we have no hope to celebrate this time of year. This is the birth of hope. So let's look at this verse or, or phrase by phrase. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. Notice that the child is born and the son is given because the son has eternally existed. The, ton, the son pre-existed all of creation as I said earlier, Colossians 1 tells us that everything that we know, everything that we see, everything that we hear, everything was made by him and for him. And in him, it's all held together. The son is given because he has eternally existed, but he is going to come in the form of a child. He came in the form of a child. This is a story that even... The non-believer knows the story of how Jesus is born in a manger, how, they, how the shepherds came, how the, 
how the uh, wise men came and gave him gifts. This is a story that's well known, even to the non-believer. But do you know that this is the birth of hope? Do you know that apart from this birth, you have no hope? You cannot reach God on your own. You cannot. God made a way, and we can only approach God in the way he has given us. And he made this way. The way, the truth, the life, Jesus Christ. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Jesus came to rule. We miss this when we read this verse. We talk about the child and the son. We talk about the, the, the great names, the wonderful counselor and mighty God and eternal father and prince of peace. We talk about all these things, but we skip over the fact that Jesus will reign. He will rule. He came to do so. He can rule in you now and, and, his, and his kingdom, when his kingdom comes, he will already know you. But, there, or, but he will rule. Whether he rules in you or not will make no difference to his kingdom coming. He is coming to rule. Isaiah tells us so. The child that's born, the son that's given, came to rule and to reign. And he will be named. And we kind of already looked at this, but, but here it is on the slide. Fully man and fully God. Wonderful counselor, a man. Mighty God, a God. The God. Eternal Father, the God. Prince of Peace, man. Man and God. Fully man, fully God. The only possible Messiah. The only one that can be fully God and fully man. And, and think about these titles as well. A wonderful counselor when life gets tough and life gets tough. A mighty God when we feel powerless. An eternal father. We can put our trust in him and even when we stray, he's still waiting for us to come back. He's still holding off his wrath. He's still waiting for us to return to him. And the Prince of Peace, to bring us a peace that, that Paul describes as beyond comprehension. A peace that is beyond comprehension. That's who's come. That's the birth of hope this season. We get these nowhere else but in Christ. So what is the, the, the comfort and the challenge? The comfort is that hope has been born. There is hope for us. Hope that, that the world will be set right again. Hope that, that we will at, at be able to rise above selfishness, which, which reigns right now in, in humanity. We have hope. Hope because of that first Christmas. Hope that we celebrate this month. The birth of hope. And his name is Jesus Christ. The challenge, I've asked it a few times. Are you in his kingdom? Have you surrendered your kingdom to his? Does, does Jesus rule and reign in you? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads for a moment and consider that question. Jesus came to rule. He came to reign we want to separate Savior and Lord, but they're not separate. 
If he is not your Lord, he is not your Savior. He came to rule and to reign. And you can surrender to his kingdom right here and right now. You can follow along with me in your own words. First, we have to acknowledge that we need a Savior. God, I have sin in my life. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong. I've done things wrong. And I know the Bible calls that sin. But I trust that hope was born for me on that first Christmas. I trust that Jesus came and lived a sinless life and died in my place on that cross. So I turn from my rule and I surrender to you. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor. Let them know. Tell somebody that you are in the kingdom today. Jesus came to rule. He came to bring hope to a hopeless world. He came for that hope to be a driving force in your life. Will you celebrate that hope this month? Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the Savior that you have sent us, the Lord that you have given us. We celebrate at this time of year the birth of hope for, for before we were hopeless. Keep us mindful of the hope we have in Christ, especially during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. This is Pastor Jim from Porter Mountain Fellowship. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. These are sermons from our 10.30 a.m. service on Sundays. If you're in the neighborhood, stop by. We're on the corner of Porter Mountain Road and Commerce Drive in beautiful Lakeside, Arizona.